Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. Watch this. This is when we're playing the, the replay. Of course, I'm on the 16th hole, and I have some other holes. But we, and I watch this. Now, watch how long this takes. He's bagging it. Bubba's going to go up, and he's going to mark it. But <laughs> Okay, I give up. I give up. It's not going to go in. can possibly go in. You know, this ball is still moving. It's moving all the time. And he is having a conversation with Bubba. Is it still moving? Yeah, it is. miracle shot. Anybody? How many of you guys love to golf? Are you good at golfing? Anybody good at golfing? Raise your hand. All right. Very few people, exactly. How many of you guys are like me, and when you play golf, it looks more like croquet? Anybody? That's, that's me. It's like, yeah, okay, we went just a little bit. Let's keep going. Like 15 strokes in on a two-par. You know, that's, that's my life. All right. Uh, today, before we get going, let's pray, and let's invite the Holy Spirit to breathe through this time. Lord, we do invite your presence to breathe through this time and illuminate your word in a powerful, special way so that we can grow and change and experience more of the richness and the fullness of your potential in our lives. And we declare that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Last week, I talked some about our mission statement. Uh, and one of the things I said during last week, I said that we exist to reach the lost and equip the found. And as I said that, uh, throughout the week, that just really started to resonate with a lot of us because we, we've had this other mission statement for a while. It's a little bit longer than that. And we just said, let's just make that our mission statement from here on out, to reach the lost, equip the found. It just nails who we are in just a very succinct way. And along with that, I want to introduce three words to you that we're going to be covering over the next three weeks. The, word, the words are presence, people, and purpose. And I'll explain them and take on each one of them over the next three weeks. And it's going to be kind of our culture, our DNA, a little bit more of a window into who we are, how we operate, and what we expect around here. So today, we're going to be looking at that word presence and how it relates to getting in the game and how we can be a part of that. To do that, I'm going to tell you a strange story that's found in Scripture. I do my best to keep you engaged and to keep you, to keep you on your toes and to, to not know what's coming next. So I'm going to tell you a story in Scripture that's a very, if you, haven't, if you don't think God has a sense of humor, you will after this story because it's an awesome story in Scripture. It's a story about the Israelites who are the people of God. And the Philistines, who were the enemies of the Israelites. How many of you guys have heard of these guys before in Scripture? Uh, they are epic rivals. It's like KU versus MU. Let me hear all the KU people. Uh, you guys are weak. How about the MU people? You... Wow, this is ridiculous. Nonetheless, epic rivals. How about the Chiefs? Let me hear all the Chiefs people. There we go. All right, let's hear all the Raiders people. Crickets, exactly. All right. Uh, it, so they were epic rivals. It's kind of like people, it's like pop country, right? Pop country versus like real music. Um, <laughs> uh, did I just go there? All right. 
uh, I could keep going, okay, and I could offend a lot of people. That's all right. That's my spiritual gift. Um, but today we're going to talk about this, uh, these two groups of people, Israelites, the Philistines. There was a priest named Eli, and, and Eli had two sons, but these two sons were not serving God very well. They were doing all sorts of stuff they shouldn't be. There was this epic battle that happened where the Israelites were, were pitted against the, the enemy, and during the battle, Eli's sons go out to battle. Well, some messenger comes back to Eli and says, Eli, your sons have been killed in battle. And then shortly following that news, he gets the second news, which is, oh, and by the way, the Ark of the Covenant has been captured. And upon hearing the second bit of news, the Bible says he was a large man. He fell over backwards and died. Why? Because the Ark of the Covenant, how do you guys know what the Ark of the Covenant is? If you've watched Indiana Jones, you know what the Ark of the Covenant is. That's how it entered into pop culture. It's this box that God instructed his people to make, overlaid it with gold, a couple cherubim, and inside of it would be the Ten Commandments. It would be uh, Aaron's rod that budded, d- different things that were inside of this. Most importantly, what was inside of this box was the presence of God. And so wherever they would take this box, this Ark of the Covenant, it was the presence of God was going with them. And so when Eli hears that the enemy has captured the presence of God, somebody shouts out, Ichabod, Ichabod, the glory has departed. He falls down and he dies because he knew what this meant if the enemy now took the presence of God away from God's people. This was a big deal. And so as a part of this, the the Philistines go back to their camp and they have their own God called Dagon. They put the Ark of the Covenant in the room with their God. They had a big statue of their God, Dagon. They leave for the night. They come back in the morning, their God Dagon has fallen over and is laying down, bowing before the Ark of the Covenant. And they're like, hmm, this isn't so good. (laughs) So they prop up their God again, you know, okay, and they leave again. They come back the next day, this time it's fallen down and it's broken into pieces. And they're like, okay, this isn't so good. Along with that, something else, and here's where the humor comes in. You'll, you'll see it in just a minute. Uh, here, something else begins to happen in 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 6 and 8. It says, The hand of the Lord was heavy against the people of Ashdod, and he terrified and afflicted them with tumors. Both Ashdod and its territory, and when the men of Ashdod saw how things were, they said, The ark of the, the, uh, of the God of Israel must not remain with us. For this, his hand is hard against us and against Dagon, our God. And so they went and they gathered together all the lords of the Philistines. And they said, what are we going to do about this problem? We cannot have it here. Let's send it off to Gath. Now, if you do a word search on the word tumors, what this literally means in the Hebrew is hemorrhoids. So let that sink in just for a little bit. They were afflicted, all of them. I mean, this is, can you guys see the humor in this so, so far? They're afflicted with this for seven months. And so these guys are sitting there afflicted with this. They're like, our God has fallen down. Now we got this other problem. Let's send it off. Let's get rid of this thing. This was not worth capturing. And so they send it off to Gath. The same thing happens to those people. Now they're afflicted with it. They're like, we've got to do something about this. There's no medicine for this. And uh, so 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. The ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines for seven months. Seven months, people. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, and they said, what are we going to do? And he said, we've got to get rid of this thing. And the priests and the diviners said, okay, here's how you get rid of it. You have to send it back with an offering because you can't just send it back to the Israelites. And so what you have to do is you have to get gold. And out of gold, you have to uh, shape five golden tumors or and, and five mice out of gold and send this back. 
How many of you guys think God has a sense of humor? Because this is just funny. I don't care who you are. This is just funny. And so they have to fashion these things and send it back to finally get rid of it. Now, why do I share that story? Because I want you to see something here, that even in the wrong hands, the presence of God was very, very powerful. There were miracles happening. There was all sorts of things that even in the wrong hands. And the, wherever the presence of God was, miraculous things just happened. So, you know, first the presence of God was in the tabernacle. And then it was in the box. And then it got moved around to the Holy of Holies. And then it got moved around to the temple. And wherever the presence of God was, they would, they would take this thing out into battle first. Because everyone was scared of the presence of God that was in this box. Because miracles would happen. Walls would fall down. Enemies would be defeated. When Joshua wanted to cross over into the promised land, they sent the priests out with the Ark of the Covenant first out into the water. And when they did that, the waters backed up, up into the, to the river. It stopped. Miracles happened where the presence of God was in this box all throughout the Old Testament. Then all of a sudden, the box isn't there anymore. Jesus shows up, and he starts walking around, and it's almost as if the presence of God was walking around. How did they know? Miracles were happening. They said, this must be the presence of God in our midst. Emmanuel, God with us. Because wherever the presence of God is, miracles happen. It used to be in a box. Now it's in this guy. Now the very presence of God is walking around. And wherever Jesus would go, what would happen? Miracles would happen. In Luke chapter 5, verse 12, this is right after he called the disciples. It says, while he was in one of the cities, there was a man full of leprosy. And he came before him and he says, Lord, if you will, uh, heal me. And Jesus says, I will. He stretches out his hands toward him. He heals him. And pretty soon everybody starts to hear about this and crowds start to gather. Why? Because the presence of God is now in their midst. Why? Because miracles are happening. Wherever the presence of God was, miracles could be expected. Now, but then Jesus left, right? Jesus left. So before we go any further, let me ask you three or four theological questions. So just put on your theological brain. You say, I'm not a theologian. All right, theology is just simply the study of God. So all of us are theologians, all right? So let's put on our theologian hat, and let me ask you three easy theological questions. Number one, do you believe God exists? I think you're here because you do. Okay, let's establish that. God exists. God is real. Number two, do you believe that the Bible is true? Again, I believe you're here because you, you believe that. Now, third theological question is this. If Jesus came back and he came to Liberty, Missouri, and he started walking around Liberty, Missouri, do you think miracles would happen wherever he went? Why? Because the presence of God is there, right? And I believe that if he came back and he started walking around the streets, miracles would happen. Okay? Now, uh, what happened? Jesus left, but when Jesus left, what happened? He gave us the Holy Spirit. All right, is anybody following where I'm going with this? He gave us the Holy Spirit so that the presence would always be present. So let me ask you a fourth question here then. Do we really believe that where the presence of God is, miracles can be expected? Because the presence of God is here. So when you come into this place, do you really believe? I'm, talk, I'm not talking about, oh, just a warming of my heart miracle. Oh, somebody gave me $5 in groceries miracle. No, I'm talking about miracles in Scripture. Where's the disconnect? And if we don't believe that, 
then here's what I'm going to push back on you a little bit. If you don't believe that miracles can happen right now in the presence of God because the presence of God has been left with us, then I'm going to suggest that you don't believe it really happened then either. That there's a disconnect in your believing. Because Scripture clearly says where the presence of God was, miracles happened. Where the presence of God was, if it was in a box, it happened there. If it was in the form of Jesus, it happened there. If it was in the form of the Holy Spirit, it happened with the apostles. Where's the expiration date to the miraculous? There is no expiration date. Where is the presence of God today? So where the presence of God is, the miraculous can be expected. The question is, do we really believe that? I believe we can expect miracles in God's presence. Give you an example. How many of you guys have heard of a guy named Smith Wigglesworth? He was in the 1900s. Uh, he had an incredible miracle ministry. Uh, incredible, just incredible. Uh, let me just share one of the stories. Uh, one time somebody came to him and said, this, this lady's dead. She was laying on a bed in a room. Smith Wigglesworth goes over there, sees the dead lady on the bed. This is how he's, I mean, gutsy faith. He pulls her out of the bed. How many of you guys are like, I probably wouldn't do this. He pulls her out of the bed, carries her across the room, holds her up against the wall. And he says, she was absolutely dead. And he's holding her up against the wall. And he begins to speak to her and he begins to command and rebuke death off her body and command by the power of Jesus for life to return, for her to walk in the name of Jesus. And, and nothing happened. At this time, I'd be like putting her back, you know. But he's like, no. And he just commands it. And he says, in the name of Jesus, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, let life flow through you. I rebuke death. Walk in the name of Jesus. And she began to tremble. And he said, I command in the name of Jesus for life to flow in the name of Jesus for you to walk. She walked. That's one of the many, 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 many stories that have been documented just through one guy's ministry. We can look at scripture. We can see all this stuff wherever the presence of God is. The miraculous can be expected. Now, if you're like me, my first reaction sometimes to something like that is like, if I could just drum up enough faith like that guy, that would be pretty awesome, right? How many of you guys think? If I could just get up enough faith. He was famous for having this approach uh, to miracles like this. Only believe. And he said this. He says, I'm not moved by what I see or hear. I'm moved by what I believe. Only believe. And so many times I think in this area of seeing God move in our life and miracles in our life, it's not so much about trying to drum up more faith, even though I think our faith can increase. Sometimes it's about, you know, we've talked about this before, how faith and unbelief can exist at the same time. And as I was thinking about that, God gave me this picture, this picture of scales, like with faith on one side and unbelief on the other. And he said, Sean, if you want faith to carry more weight in your life, you don't have to necessarily add more faith. Sometimes you just need to jettison unbelief. And then all of a sudden, what I'm left with is more faith. How many times do we allow unbelief to enter our heart? The what ifs to enter our heart. Like, well, yeah, what if I pray and this doesn't happen? Or what if in the past this, what if, what if, what if? And really, we need to just jettison unbelief out of our life altogether. And when we do that, our faith has a ton of weight in our life. And we become people of strong faith. So we can expect the power and presence of or miracles of God in God's presence. But here's the other uh, amazing thing that, that I don't know if this is settled upon you uh, yet, that we are all carriers of God's presence. So when you walk out of this place, what, go, what should you expect when you walk out of this place? Miracles. Because you are a carrier of God's presence and where the presence of God is, the miraculous can be expected. Now, 
Again, I'm saying words, but do we believe this? Because this is Scripture. This is exactly what Scripture teaches us. Okay, And, and I'm saying that there's a disconnect with the average believer and what the Bible actually says. And it's time for us to submit our lives to Scripture once again instead of thinking we know it all and come up under Scripture and say, my, my life has got to submit to Scripture instead of me trying to bend Scripture to fit my life. Am I preaching it too strong? I've had a lot of coffee today. I, I don't know. I, I just keep it going. All right, I'll do that. All right, so we are carriers of God's presence. The next story in Luke chapter 5 is the story of Jesus is in a room, and he's, he's packing out the place because he's healing people, and these guy, guys have a friend who's paralyzed, and, and so they want to get him to Jesus, so they carry him on a mat, and then there's no room, and they jump up on the roof. They tear off the roof. They lower him in, and the guy gets healed. I just see a picture there of, of we're to carry people to Jesus, but also we're carriers of Jesus to people because we carry the very presence of God. And wherever you walk as a Holy Spirit-filled believer, that you ought to expect miracles to follow. I'm not just, I'm talking real miracles. I'm talking Bible miracles, okay? This is, this is the disconnect we have to resolve in our heart. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, it says, And he called him his 12 disciples and gave them authority. Gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. You say, well, that was just the disciples. No, he sent out the 70. Well, it was just the 70. No, it was the day of Pentecost. He released all them. No, well, that, where's the expiration date? There is no expiration date for what this command is. And yet somehow we've settled into a church that is safe instead of the dangerous church that used to exist. That's not God's best for our lives. He sent them out, gave them authority. You say, well, why is this important, John? Because, you know, I seem to be growing in my faith. I seem to be, you know, my life is getting better. My marriage is getting better. I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm more of a loving person than I used to be. I'm, I'm more of a servant than I used to be. I mean, why do I need this miracle part if, you know, following after Christ, I'm becoming like Jesus more and more day, every day. I'm becoming more loving and more sacrificial and more servant-hearted. Isn't that what it's all about? Let me, let me just share a conversation I had with a deist friend of mine. I've got deist friends and agnostic friends and atheist friends and Mormon friends and different people. It's occasional I have conversations with different people. And he, he asked me a question. I thought it was a great question. He said, and we're, we're good friends, so he can, you know, just talk to me however, and, and he knows I'm not going to, you know, be offended or he's not going to be offended. And, and he said, um, uh, if you didn't ever, if you hadn't, if you don't have the Bible, if you didn't have the Bible, could you still, would you still be a good person? If you didn't have the Bible, would you still be a good person, Sean? And I thought about that for a moment, and I said, yes, I would be a good person. By the world's standards, I would be a good person. Why? Because my heart in general is, is I want to do what's right. I want to love people. I want to do all those things. And he said, you know, if being like Jesus means, you know, that you're loving people more and having compassion, you're serving people more and you're sacrificing. If that's what it means to live like Jesus, you don't need the Bible to do that. If the goal is loving more, compassion, serving, and sacrifice, you don't need the Bible to do that. Now, I understand exactly where he's coming from. Because how many of you guys can right now think of people in your life who are unbelievers who love people more, sacrifice, serve people more than some of the believers you know? Where's the disconnect? And so he says, uh, so you don't need the Bible to do that. And, and I said, you're right. If I just want to be more loving, more kind, more servant-hearted, I don't need the Bible to do that. And I said, in fact, that's not the point of the Bible at all, though. 
The point of the Bible, and, and why, why do we need Scripture? Why do we need God? And I'll tell you, I gave, just gave him two. There's more, but I gave, I gave him two. I said, one, what separates just being a good, loving person and being more Christ-like, like we put it, is one, we have the hope of the resurrection. That separates it all right there. That Jesus was the firstborn of many brethren who would be raised from the dead. So how many guys are thankful that because of Jesus, because of, of the Bible, we can know about the resurrection, that we have the hope of the resurrection? Okay, that's a separator. That's a game changer right there. Okay, the second thing is this. I said, I said because there's a fallacy of thinking that being Christ-like means being loving and serving and sacrificial, that that's the end of it. And yet I would guarantee if I took a poll and asked you what that meant, what does it mean to be more Christ-like, you would probably use words like that. And that's where there's a big disconnect from Scripture and the way we're living our lives. Because that, if that's the point, you don't need Jesus to be more like Jesus. Is anybody following what I'm saying today? The disconnect is, as believers and carriers of the presence of God, what ought to be happening that separates us is there ought to be miracles following, just like there was in the book of Acts. Now, when I hear that, and I'm thinking about that more and more, I'm, anybody convicted a little bit? I'm convicted by that. I'm challenged by that because I don't see that as much in my life as I would like to, for sure. But that is the truth. If I want to be more like Jesus, it's not just loving people. It's not just serving people. It's bringing the miraculous to people. It is. I think I got one person. Give me an amen right here. It's Jim. And, and so we've got to decide, what do we believe about Scripture? What do we believe about Scripture? Is it about being a good moral person? No. The Bible is not about being a good moral person. If it is, you don't need the Bible for it <laughs> because there's plenty other ways to be a good moral person. The Bible is about experiencing and encountering the living God and what that does to a person and how he moves through people ought to be the game changer so that a deist can't look at me and say, well, what's the difference? You don't need your Bible to live your version of Christianity. They ought to be looking at us and saying, I don't even have to question why because the miraculous is following. The miraculous is following. All right, that went over great. Um, I, got, I got like 20, 15 minutes left before I don't get to preach for another seven days, so I'm going to let you have it for the last 15 minutes, all right? Here's, what we, here's the discount. We, we've got to understand the miracle is God's part. The obedience is our part, flat out. I'm not going to worry about God's part. I just need to worry about my part. And in this, God is the miraculous, he's the miracle worker, but yet he has chosen. We've got to get rid of this idea that God is sovereign and that he's just going to pick and choose what he wants to do. God is only sovereign outside of his word. Inside of his word, he's already predetermined how he operates. God just doesn't, isn't just sovereign and God, that's fatalism. God is sovereign outside of his word. But inside of his word, he has chosen to partner with you and I in this process of walking this, this thing out, hasn't he? He said, I want to work with you. I want to delegate my authority to you. I want to speak to you, and then you can go out, and you can preach the good news. You can go out, and you can lay hands on the sick. You can go out, and you can bring an encouraging word. How do you guys know I'm preaching good this morning? This is true. This is true. He wants to partner with us. And so we've got to lay this idea down that God is sovereign and God is just in this one area of miracles that God is just going to do it all by himself. The scriptures never say God is going to do miracles all by himself. The scripture's example is that he always works through people who are obedient and then the miracles come. We are carriers 
of God's presence. The miracle is God's part, but we still have to obey. And so I want to bust a couple myths in this idea of healing and miracles. And the first uh, myth is this, that prayer for healing or prayer for miracles has to be really, really hard. That you got to work something weird up to pray for miracles to happen. That you got to be really weird and do a whole bunch of weird stuff. Let me show you the pattern that I found in Scripture for how to pray for miracles to happen in your life and, for, and how to happen in somebody else's life. Let me give you a couple case studies out of Scripture. One is coming from Brother Luke here in chapter 13, verse 11. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over. She could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. Another guy that was deaf, Jesus hears about it, brings him over, touches his ears, and says, be made whole. Another guy, here are the apostles in Acts chapter 3. They're going up to a prayer meeting. And there's this guy, I'm not going to read the scripture, you can see it up on the screen. There's this guy who gets laid up at the gate called Beautiful every single day to ask for alms, to ask for money. And, and they're passing by, and he calls out to him. He says, hey, give me some money. And they say, we don't have any money, but what we do have, we're going to give to you. He looks at him, and he says, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. He takes him by the hand. He pulls him up. He begins to walk, and his ankle bones begin to be made straight. He comes into the temple, into the prayer meeting with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, here, here's the pattern. I've looked at every single example in Scripture Every single example of Jesus, every single example of the apostles, and here's the pattern, here's what I've seen. Jesus or the apostles, any one of them, they, they see or they hear about a need for a miracle. That's step one. Step two, with a, a word or a touch, they bring and they have contact with the person who needs a miracle or the miracle situation. And then they command them to be well, or they command sickness or whatever it is to flee. Now, I want you to note something right there. Jesus never asked the Father to heal anybody because it was already assumed that healing was available. He had the authority. And listen, that's the way we're to pray too. We don't need to ask Jesus to climb back up on the cross and pay for healing, or just like we don't need him to pay for our sins. Healing is available. He's delegated authority to us for us to simply command sickness to be bound or to command wellness to come as believers in Christ. And so that's the pattern. They, they pray, they command, and then they would always check and do a, you know, check, is everything all right? Did, did everything happen right? Usually they're walking and leaping and praising God, you know? So it was obvious. So the point is, uh, let me see if I can make my point through this video. Uh, how many of you guys remember the AT&T commercials where they had the little kids sitting around several years ago, and they would ask them questions? All right, I'm going to play just a little montage of this and see if you can pick up on the point of what I'm trying to say through this today. Let's watch. What's better, faster or slower? Faster! Yeah, what's fast? Um, my mom's car and a cheetah. Okay. A spaceship. Spaceship. And what's slow? My grandma's slow. Would you like her better if she was fast? I bet she would like it if she was fast. Hmm. Maybe give her some turbo boosters. Tape a cheater to her back? Tape a cheater to her back. Okay. Seems like you've thought about this before. It's not complicated. What's better, bigger or smaller? Bigger! So which would you rather have, a big treehouse or a small treehouse? If it's big enough, you can have a disco. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why do you not want a smaller treehouse? Because it wouldn't be able to fit a flat screen TV, and then the TV would be about this big, and it would have to hold the wire. In the position it would hold the wire, you wouldn't be able to see the TV. That's a pain in the buns. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah. It's not complicated. What's better, doing two things at once or just one? Two! Two! two. two. 
You sure? I am absolutely positive. Two times is awesome. The thing I can do is wave my head and wave. That's amazing. I've never seen anything like that. Look, I can do Hold it. Hold on, I'm watching this. It's not complicated. Who thinks two is better than one? So all of you do. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Now what's better, being able to shoot two lasers out of both your eyes at the same time or just one laser out of one eye? Two. Okay, why? It's just fun. One beam, okay, it does a little bit of damage. A, right. Two beams, it'll make something explode. And that's more fun? And, yeah. And it's more powerful, you're saying? Yeah. It's not complicated. Doing two things at once is better. All right, all right. It's, it's not complicated what God asks us to do in this area. The miracle is God's part. The obedience is not complicated at all. It's simply being willing to listen to God, and if somebody needs a miracle or if we need something in our life, we just pray <laughs> and we believe. It's not complicated what he asks us to do. Now, uh, I want you to understand, I'm not trying to minimize situations in people's lives where you have prayed for a miracle and it didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to where you believed for something to happen in the past and it just didn't go your way. I'm not trying to minimize that at all. Listen, as a pastor, I've grieved with many people in our church over things just like that. And more than any of you. I've grieved more than any of you with people. But at the same time, sometimes we can overcomplicate things. And when we overcomplicate it, we actually hinder God from doing what he wants to do. Okay? And just because something's happened in the past, it doesn't mean we hang on to that and we camp out there. We have to say what do we do now? In our church, we've had all kinds of things happen where miracles have happened. Maybe you don't know about it. We've had blood clots disappear. We've had people who've had issues with, with uh, pregnancy or something, and we pray for them. The next time they go to the doctor, it's all completely cleared up. We've had people come into the, the service where uh, their marriage was wrecked, and then miraculous healing happened just instantaneously. Miracles happened right when they just came into the presence of God. We've had people healed during our services just instantaneously. We've had people who are supposed to be going to the doctor to have something removed, and we pray for that. And when they get to the doctor, they're getting ready to do a surgery, and nothing's there to be removed. How many of you guys can just praise God for some of these things that are happening? It's happening all around you. Just because you may have not experienced it does not mean it's not happening. This week, even, we've had multiple life or death type situations even this week where we just simply came and, and we said, uh, we're going to rebuke fear. We're going to not entertain unbelief in any way, shape, or form, and we're going to speak life and healing. And in some cases, even between hospitals, the situation went from life and death to a totally different situation. How many of you guys can praise God for that even this week? Come on, let's just celebrate God for what he's doing. And you, you can sit there and say, well, that's just a coincidence. Well, let me ask you, if you believe that's just a coincidence, then why do you pray? Why do you even believe God? If we have a situation that doctors tell us is life and death, we pray and it completely changes and we're just like, well, that must have been a coincidence. We got more faith for unbelief than we do for God. We ought to be celebrating every time we see a victory like that I mean, we ought to be celebrating. Instead of chocolate, I mean, how quickly do we let unbelief come into our heart? we got to reject that in the name of Jesus. I can't tell you how many times in my life, even just since pastoring this church, there will be times just being open to the presence of God where God will tell me out of the blue, call this person. You haven't called them for a long time. Call this person right now. 
And I just feel that urgency by the Holy Spirit to call this person. I pick, pick up the phone, and instantly they are in a crisis situation out of the blue. Like, how in the world did you know to call us? This one particular situation, God told me to call this person I hadn't talked to for a while. I pick up the phone, I call him, and, and I say, hey, man, I feel like I am supposed to call you right now. He says, that's, that's amazing because right now I'm on my way home from work. I just got a call from one of my little kids. They've been home for hours. My wife has passed out. They cannot wake her up. It was a life and death situation. The doctor said that it should not have turned out any different than, than that, an extreme situation, most likely death. And right there in that moment, as he was on his way there, we prayed the prayer of faith. When he got there, by the time he got there, she was up and around, no symptoms, no problems. God completely healed her. I can't tell you how many times I've had phone calls when I, I, I hear God say, text that person right now. Tell them that you are praying for them. You don't know why, but you need to pray for them. They say, that's amazing. I'm in the emergency room. On the way to the emergency room with my kid. They can't breathe right now. We need prayer right now. We pray the prayer of faith. By the time they get there, they get sent home. I'm telling you, this stuff happens. And, and just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean it's not happening around you because it's happening in our midst, in our church. We are carriers of God's presence we are carriers. Are we going to bat a thousand every time in this area? No, we're not. We're not going to bat. And if that's your if that's your measurement, like I am not going to believe that God does miracles unless He does it every time, then you wouldn't even believe in Jesus, because Jesus couldn't do miracles every time. He couldn't do miracles where there was unbelief. He couldn't do miracles in whole cities. And so, if your standard for miracles. I know I'm preaching strong. It's third service. I don't know. I'm tired now. I know I'm preaching. But here's the truth. If your standard for miracles is it has to happen 100% of the time or I don't believe God does that anymore, then you wouldn't even believe in Jesus because that's not the way it works. And we're not going to bat a 1,000 in this area, but that should not stop us from believing and being obedient in this area. Amen? And that's why we got to destroy this other myth. And here's the second myth we have to destroy. And it's this, that my miracle track record in the past will be my miracle track record in the future. Listen, I understand we had failures. I understand we didn't get things that we wanted all the time. But you need to take that, if that's your belief right now, that my miracle track record in the past will be my miracle track record in the future. You need to take that lie from Satan and send it back to the pit of hell where it originated. Because that is not a thought from God. And you have the authority to take every thought captive and put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Because that is not a thought that comes from God. Just because you, things didn't turn out right in the, in the past does not mean that that's what the future will hold. As we step in, just allow yourself to have a new relationship in this area. See, one of the most dangerous things we can do as believers, and I see it all the time, one of the most dangerous things is we let our experience, then we, we take Scripture to wrap around our experience. We change Scripture, what we believe about Scripture, to match our experience. And we need to repent of that. And even if it's not happening the way we see it in Scripture, we need to hang on to Scripture and the truth of Scripture to our last breath and say, I don't care if I never see this, I believe that Scripture is true and I'm gonna hang on to it with all I've got. And, and, and one of the most dangerous things is we have some experience in our life and then we try to fit Scripture to our experience instead of letting Scripture stand on its own and say, you know what, my life needs to conform to Scripture even if I don't understand it. Listen, if you have to have all of the answers for faith, to faith only exists when there's a lack of all the answers. It, there's some mystery that's always involved that you walk forward in faith. All right, there, So God has his part. 
and we have our part. One of the greatest examples of this to me in the most simplistic form is Moses leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. Pharaoh and all the plagues happened. You guys remember the story. Pharaoh finally says, go on, you can have all the people. So Moses leads all these people out. They get to the Red Sea, and then Pharaoh changes his mind, and this whole army comes running. So there's Moses with all these million people, and Pharaoh's army on one side, and the Red Sea on the other side. How many of you guys ever felt like that? Like, God, what is going on? <laughs> Why did you leave me here? And so listen, to the, I love the way God does this. It, listen, you can see right here, God's part and our part, very simplistically displayed. God talks to Moses, and he says, Moses, what is that? It's a stick. And God says, pick up the stick. Point the stick. God parts the Red Sea. How do you guys know Moses' part wasn't very complicated, was it? (laughs) That's it. That's as simple as it is for you and I. God says, you see that person over there? They need prayer for a miracle. Take your hand and touch them and speak. It's that simple. I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but I think sometimes we have to oversimplify it to see how complicated we've made it. Instead of just simple obedience and being open to the impressions of the Holy Spirit and walking these things out by faith, the biggest issue is that we have let unbelief creep in so bad that we never try anymore. We never walk these things out. Let me ask you guys, how many of you guys would love to see more blind eyes open, more more lame people walk? Hold up your hand. If you really believe that, if you'd like to see blind eyes open, lame people walk, keep your hand up. How is it ever going to happen if we never pray for a blind person? How's it ever going to happen if we never pray for someone who needs a miracle? And sadly, that's where most of us have settled into our Christian walk because we don't see 100% success, so we're not going to try at all. How you guys know we've got to repent? That means rethink. That means go in a new direction. Wherever the presence of God was, whether it was in a box, whether it was in a tent, whether it was in Jesus, whether it was in the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, wherever it was, the miracles could come and be expected. Now I'm telling you that the presence of God resides in you. What ought you expect as you leave this place? Miracles. What, are, what should we expect when we gather in this place? Miracles. Why? Because wherever the presence of God is, there's always been miracles until we allowed unbelief to creep in. Until we stopped picking up the stick. Instead of, until we stopped doing our part. Then maybe being challenged a little bit this morning. I'm, I'm going to practice this right now, okay? So let's all stand up. If you need a miracle today, you need a healing, you need a miracle in your relationship, you need a miracle in your finances, whatever your situation is, come down here right now. We've had this happen in both services. We've had miracles happen in both services. We're just going to do this right now, just like the Bible says. It's this simple. It's not complicated, guys. We're just going to pick up the stick right now and just follow through. So if that's you, just come down. Expect that God is going to move right now. It's not complicated. It's very simple. The miracle is God's part. We're just walking it out in obedience, if that's all right, all right? So, yeah, come on down. Anybody and everybody who wants to come down. All right, we're going to believe. Make some room. We've got some more people coming up here. And we're just going to believe what the Bible says is true, 
And we know we're not batting a thousand, but we are acting out in obedience. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to command sickness to leave if it's a health thing. We're going to command life to flow, health to come, your body to line up with the word of God, just like it happened in scripture. And then those of you guys who can, check. Check. Right now, jettison all unbelief. Forget about the what ifs. Forget about all that. Only believe. Just only believe. Only believe. Guard your heart and your mind right now and do not allow Satan to come in to steal, kill, and destroy the work that God wants to do in your heart right now. Some of you guys have a, need a miracle in your relationships. You need a miracle in your finances. You need a miracle in your body. You need a, a miracle in some area of your life. We're, you've obeyed right now by just walking down, by coming up and saying, I, I'm trusting you right now. L let me tell you, there's a difference between sacrifice and surrender. They sound very similar, but there's a difference. So many times we're thinking faith is a sacrifice, like we've got to sacrifice all this stuff and work up all this stuff and do all this stuff to, to get faith. When faith is more simply a surrender to confidence in who God said he was and it says he is. So God, right now, just with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, just, just open yourself up to God and say, God, I surrender right now by faith to that, that reestablishing that confidence of who you are. That every time I've seen in Scripture, every time, I've, if I look back at Scripture, I see wherever your presence has been, miracles happen every single time. Wherever your presence has been, miracles have happened. When you were walking around on this planet in physical form, miracles happened because your presence was there. You left us the Holy Spirit so that the presence would always be present. And right now, we're just going to follow through as carriers of God's presence as there being an atmosphere of the presence of God right now. We believe that there is miracle power right now because your presence is here right now. And so right now, we, we, we know there's a miracle. With a, a look, a word, and a touch, we're going to just lay hands on you and believe and obey. It's picking up the stick, and we're going to let God part the sea. You guys, would you guys just stretch hands towards these people down here? If you know somebody, maybe you might want to come up behind them and lay a hand on them if you know somebody up here. And we're just going to pray. You guys begin to pray right there. Begin to set the atmosphere right there where you're at in your seat. This is not a spectator sport. We need you guys to be participants and to be praying as well. Come on up, Joseph. And we're just going to go through and we're just going to lay hands. Jim, you can come on up too if you, you want to. And we're going to pray. Lord, we lay hands on these people right now by the power of Jesus. The life that flows through the power of God is flowing through our bodies right now. It's flowing through our relationships right now. It's flowing through uh, the situations that, that things are opening up right now. Listen, it is normal in the presence of God for healing to happen. That's normal. It's normal in the presence of God for tumors to disappear. That's normal. It's normal in the presence of God for relationships to be restored. That's normal. It's normal in the presence of God for finances to be set right, for jobs to open up, for creative ideas to happen. That's normal in the presence of God. It's normal in the presence of God for healing to happen. And Lord, we reset that normal button in our church right now. And we declare right now that miracles are taking place right now in bodies, in relationships, people being set free, delivered in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, we just thank you, God, that they're set free in the name of Jesus by the power of God, by the power of God right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, we thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Fill them with your power right now, the miracle power. 
We declare it in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's just let worship and faith rise up in you right now. Yes. Yes, Lord.
because you are carriers of God's presence, what ought to happen? All this week, wherever you go. I'm not just talking about just a little little thing or something. I'm talking about miracles ought to happen. We ought to come back to this place next week, and we ought to be sharing stories. That's what it's like to live the adventure that Scripture paints. And I'm, tell, I'm happy that we got to see some of that this week. Maybe you weren't a part of that, but we got to see miracles happen this week. I was happy to be able to share some of the stories. But you are carriers of God's presence. Amen. Let me pray and we'll get out of here. Lord, we thank you so much for your power and your presence. Lord, we make a declaration that we expect miracles to happen wherever we go because we are carriers of your presence. And we declare that in this place and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week, number four, we'll see you then. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.